We're going to first start off with Lisa Stinson. Lisa Stinson is uh, in her final year of her PhD in obstetrics and gynecology at UWA. She loves nothing more than yammering on about science to her partner, her family, her friends, and really just anyone that will listen, which is fantastic. So we're going to give her the microphone right now and let her yammer to you all about her hero in science. Welcome, Lisa Stinson. I've actually over-prepared and got myself some uh, palm cards, so I can't hold the mic and palm card at the same time. How's that? Is that all right? So tonight I want to tell you one of my favourite science stories. It's a story about triumph, a story about the sexual revolution, a story about patient advocacy, and as all good stories are, it's also a love story. This is the story of the invention of the home pregnancy test. But before I tell you this amazing tale, let me take a step back and give you a bit of a hi history of pregnancy testing. The first recorded pregnancy test comes from ancient Egypt, where women would pee onto a mixture of barley and wheat seeds, and if the wheat grew, she was having a girl. If the barley grew, she was having a boy. And if neither plant sprouted, then she wasn't pregnant. Flash forward to 16th century Europe, and specialists known as piss prophets would read urine like tea leaves claiming to know from its appearance alone whether the woman who supplied it was pregnant. But aside from its appearance, piss prophets had other ways of divining pregnancy from a urine sample. For one, they could combine a few drops of urine into a glass of red wine. They wouldn't drink it or anything, they'd just look at it, and then they would know. Another method that they had was the ribbon test. For this, you would soak a ribbon in a woman's urine and then smell it. If the smell made you gag, then you knew she was pregnant. And finally, they had the latch test. This tried and tested test, uh, you would get a woman to pee into a basin and then drop a latch or a key into the basin. You'd leave the whole lot for exactly four hours, no more, no less, and then empty it out. If the latch left an impression in the basin, then you knew she was pregnant. While all this piss prophecy sounds a little bit ridiculous to us, the piss prophets were still a lot closer to testing pregnancy than the ancient Greeks were. The ancient Greeks would determine pregnancy by placing an onion in a woman's vagina overnight. If in the morning her breath smelled like onion, then obviously she wasn't pregnant. Because, <laughs> stay with me here, stay with me. Because obviously if she was pregnant, the baby would block the smell from traveling from her vagina to her mouth. Female anatomy maybe wasn't the strong suit of the ancient Greeks. Following the Age of Enlightenment, scientists in the 18th and 19th century abandoned the idea that urine could simply be eyeballed, instead pursuing the idea that it must contain some less easily identifiable traits, maybe some, uh, some bacteria or some crystal or something that could only be seen under a microscope. Towards the end of the 19th century, scientists started discovering the uh, chemicals that regulate various functions in our body. In 1905, the term hormone was coined. In the 1920s, human chorionic gonadotrophin, or HCG, was discovered. HCG is a hormone produced by the placenta during pregnancy, and measurements of this hormone are the basis of modern pregnancy testing. The first true precursor for today's pregnancy tests was called the AZ test and was invented in 1927. For this test, you would take a sample of a woman's urine and inject it into a mouse or a rat. If the woman was pregnant, it's not as silly as it sounds, if the woman was pregnant, Hormones in her urine would send the rat into heat. But there was a catch. The only way to tell if the rodent was in heat was by killing and dissecting it. Over the next few decades, 
rabbits replaced rodents, and then frogs replaced rabbits. In fact, so many frogs were exported from southern Africa to uh, western countries like Australia and the US during this time for pregnancy tests, the science, scientists believe that they are the source of the fungal infection that's currently threatening local amphibian populations. In the 1960s, scientists ditched the animals altogether, instead turning to immunoassays. These were uh, tests that combine a chemical of interest, so in this case HCG, that hormone, with antibodies that clip onto the hormone. Uh, and then you can label these antibodies with different colourful substances, so that when you have a positive test, uh, you get a colourful reaction happening. But while a woman no longer needed a rabbit or a frog, she still needed a doctor. This brings us to the hero of our story, Margaret Crane. Let me set the scene here. It's 1967, and Margaret Crane is a 26-year-old Greenwich Village artist. At this time, it's still illegal to give unmarried women contraceptives. It's still legal and perfectly normal to fire a woman from her job if she becomes pregnant. In Australia, the marriage bar still bans married women from employment. And it's still illegal and largely unsafe to have an abortion. It was at this time that Margaret Crane was a product designer at Organ and Pharmaceuticals, where she spent her day sketching designs on cosmetic tubes and ointment jars. One day, she took up an opportunity to take a tour of the lab at the company's headquarters in New Jersey. As she was wandering through the large, industrious warehouse of the lab, a row of shiny chest tubes caught her eye. She asked the scientist who was showing her around what they were. Pregnancy tests, he said. A doctor would collect a urine sample from his patient, send it to the lab for analysis, the lab would run the test, send the results back to the doctor, and the doctor would let the patient know by phone or by mail whether or not she was pregnant. The whole process could take up to two weeks. But Margaret immediately saw another possibility. Why not cut the doctor out altogether? She understood at once what a home pregnancy test would mean. It was a way for a woman to peer inside her body and make decisions about it, without anyone, a husband, a boyfriend, a boss, getting in the way. That night, Margaret began designing the first home pregnancy test. She emptied out a plastic uh, box that had been holding paper clips on her desk and fitted in a test tube that sat over an uh, angled mirror. A woman would take a few drops of her urine using an eyedropper and drop it into the test tube. Then she could watch the reaction taking place at the bottom of the test tube through its reflection in the mirror. If in two hours she had a colour change reaction because of those immunoassays, then she knew that she was pregnant. The next day, Margaret brought her test in to show her bosses but they quickly dismissed the idea, supplying a range of ludicrous excuses. Their main concern was that it would be a liability to the company if hysterical women began offing themselves after getting unwanted positive results. What if a senator's daughter, unmarried, found out she was pregnant and threw herself off a bridge? One of them asked. The company would have to go under for that. They were also afraid that it would anger doctors, their target market, by taking business away from them. I mean, really, could women even be trusted to work the damn things correctly? The subtext, of course, was deeply sexist. Fifty years later, and it's hard to remember why Margaret's idea seems so disturbing, today, 80% of women find out they're pregnant by peeing on a stick in their own bathroom. The test allows women to quickly begin prenatal care or seek out an abortion. The home pregnancy test has become a, has become a little bit of everyday magic. And yet, the test did not appear in the US until 1977, ten years after Margaret first suggested it. After Margaret's boss turned down her idea, she went back to her usual work. 
But behind her back, her bosses suggested her idea to their bosses at Organen's parent company in the Netherlands. The Dutch gave the project the go-ahead, and no one bothered to inform Margaret. In January 1968, Margaret heard a rumour that her bosses were going forward with a home pregnancy test. She found out that they were holding a strategy meeting to discuss the design of the product. Naturally, she decided to crush it. She found her bosses in a conference room with a group of freelance product designers. On the table, the designers had lined up their proposed models for the home pregnancy test. In an effort to appeal to female customers, the designers had covered, the entirely male designers by the way, had covered the tests in frills and lace and flowers and faux diamonds. <laughs> Margaret thought this was ridiculous. What woman would want to analyse her urine in a box with a tassel on it? She slipped her prototype in line with the others. Its sleek, see-through exterior walls showed off the minimalistic lab equipment inside. As the meeting came to order, a slim, tall, stylish man entered the room. This was Iris Sturdivant, who had been hired to oversee the marketing for the product. For the product. He immediately pounced on her model. Well, this is what we're going with, isn't it? He asked. No, no, her bosses quickly dismissed. That's just something Meg did for, for talking purposes. They claimed that the model would be too expensive to manufacture. But in the end, Margaret's model won out because it was the only one that would reliably allow women to perform the lab work required without accidentally urinating on a tassel. <laughs> in 1969, Organon applied for a patent with Margaret Crane listed as the inventor. They had her sign away her rights for $1, which she never did receive. But fortunately, her work on the project required that she meet with Iris Sturdivant on a regular basis. One night after a design meeting, uh, they, she invited him out for a few drinks, and three martinis later, she was walking him back to her apartment. In a few months, they were living together and running their own advertising consultancy. When Organon's home pregnancy test came to market in the US in 1977, it caused a lot of controversy and faced opposition from the US Public Health Service. The state medical examiner even questioned the legality of the service. An article that appeared in the New York Times that year quoted a doctor who said, female customers have a hard time following even relatively simple instructions. A similar article in the Indiana Gazette quoted another doctor who claimed that women use the products in a state of emotional anxiety that prevents them from following even the simplest instructions. Yeah, doctors in the 1970s thought that women were too emotional to urinate correctly. But despite all the fear-mongering about home pregnancy tests, American women embraced them. By 1978, home testing was a $40 million market. Unlike other medical tests that reveal something otherwise unknowable about the body, a pregnancy test can only really speed the delivery of information. Regardless of who pees on what, a pregnancy has its own way of making itself known with time. So the pregnancy test wasn't really about knowing, it was more about taking charge a sentiment that fit in quite nicely with the ethos of the time. A 1978 ad called the home pregnancy test a private little revolution that any woman can easily buy in her, in her drugstore. But in any revolution, even a private little one, something is being overthrown. In this case, it was the authority of doctors, not all of whom were happy about the changing status quo. When it hit the shelves in the 1970s, the first home pregnancy tests made by Organ and Pharmaceuticals went for $10. Just last year, Margaret's prototype, the one that she made out of the paperclip holder on her desk, went for $11,875 to the Smithsonian Museum. So what happened to Margaret Crane? 
If her life were a typical romantic comedy, she would have married Ira Sturdivant and used her own invention to find out that she was pregnant. But she invented her own kind of happily ever after. She and Ira lived together for 41 years in a series of enviable Manhattan apartments without ever marrying or having children until his death in 2008. I was so lucky, Margaret said, summing it up. As strange as ancient piss prophecy sounds to our modern ears, it never really fell out of favour. The name changed and the tools changed, but ultimately women still pee on something to find out if they're pregnant. What changed most significantly was who got to play the part of the prophet. And for that, we have Margaret Crane to thank. Thank you. Oh, thank you very much, Lisa, for that incredible story.